Do not make, do not take aba'akum, your fathers, wa ikhwanakum and your brothers, awliya as close friends. Do not take your fathers and your brothers as close friends in if istahabu, they love, they prefer al-kufra, disbelief, ala al-iman, over iman. If they prefer to disbelieve, they prefer ghayrullah over Allah, then you as a believer cannot take them as awliya. وَمَن يَتَوَلَّهُمْ مِنْكُمْ And whoever befriends them from among you, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ Then those are the wrongdoers. The theme of all of these verses is the same. The test of love, the test of iman. Who is it that you truly love? Who is it that you are sincere to? Who is it that you're loyal to? Is it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what He wants? Or is it the people who are around you even if they refuse to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If there is someone whom you deeply love, you deeply love, you love them, you like them, you want to be with them. And let's say, someone from your family does not approve of this friend. Then what happens? Do you listen to what your family member is saying? Or do you show your love to this person because of who they are? What will overcome? One of them will overcome, right? It's either the love for the person or the respect that you have for your Family. But many times we see that love overpowers everything. True love. I'm not talking about lust and desire. I'm talking about true love. If you love someone and someone says something bad about them, you don't pay attention. Correct? Because you know how your friend is. You know how they are. So you love them deeply. Likewise, if there is a person who says, I believe in Allah, then that requires from him that he loves Allah. And if even his own father is saying that I don't believe in Allah, I don't think you should go this way, is this person going to listen to the father? Is he? No. If he listens to the father, then that shows there was weakness in faith. That means he doesn't truly love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he should love. Because if he truly loved him, he would have preferred Allah over his father. Isn't that so? Just like so many people, they prefer their spouse over the rest of the family. Isn't it? Because true love leads to that. So likewise over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is advising the believers that if you truly love Allah, then you cannot take disbelievers as your close friends. Even if those disbelievers may be your fathers and your brothers. Even if they may be your closest relatives. This ayah does not mean that you have to hate them and you cannot be nice towards them. No. As relatives, they do have certain rights which you have to fulfill. But... When you are in a situation where you either listen to them or you listen to Allah, then who will you listen to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because no creation can be obeyed in disobedience to the Creator. 
This is just like Asma radiallahu anha, the sister of Aisha radiallahu anha. Her mother was a mushrik when she visited her in Medina. And Asma radiallahu anha, she asked the Prophet sallallahu that what am I supposed to do? She wants to come visit me and stay with me. And she wants some financial help from me. But she doesn't believe in Allah. She's a mushrik basically. So the Prophet ﷺ told her, Sili ummaki. Be good to your mother. Maintain your relationship with her. Over here, this does not mean that you listen to her in doing something wrong, in disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No. It means that you prefer Allah over her, but she as a human being has some rights and you fulfill them as long as it don't contradict your loyalty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So basically, we are being taught here that love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be the strongest in the heart of a believer. More than his love for his parents, more than his love for his friends, love for anything, anyone. The greatest love should be for who? The most strongest love should be for who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because it is only with love that obedience can be done. Otherwise, it's very difficult to obey. Is that correct? When you love someone, is it easy to obey them? Very easy. Very easy. But when you don't love someone, then doing even a little bit is very difficult. So love Allah the most. In a hadith we learn, مَنْ أَحَبَّ لِلَّهِ Whoever loves for the sake of Allah. وَأَبْغَضَ لِلَّهِ And if he dislikes someone, he dislikes them for the sake of Allah. Why? Because, for example, this person, he doesn't believe in Allah. Or he disobeys Allah. So this is why they develop resentment for them. Abghada lillahi. When is it that we dislike some people? When they don't get along with us. When they disrespect us. Hmm? But who is it that we should dislike? For personal reasons? No. We should dislike for who? For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, وَأَبْغَضَ لِلَّهِ وَأَعْطَى لِلَّهِ Whoever gives for the sake of Allah. وَمَنَعَ لِلَّهِ And he withholds, meaning does not give. Why? For the sake of Allah. In another version we learn, whoever gets married for the sake of Allah. وَأَنْكَحَ لِلَّهِ فَقَدْ اسْتَكْمَلَ الْإِيمَانِ Then he has perfected his faith. Then he has attained the sweetness of faith. قُلْ Say, in, if, كَانَ أَبَاؤُكُمْ Your fathers, وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ And your sons, وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ And your brothers, أَبَا Plural of أَب أَبْنَا Plural of إِبْن إِخْوَان Plural of أَخْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ And your spouses, Plural of زَوْج وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ And your relatives. عَشِيرَة You can say is like the extended family from عَيْن شِينْرَة عَشْرَة means ten. So extended family, your closest relatives. Your extended family. وَأَمْوَالٌ And properties. Plural of mal. Which kind of property? اِقْتَرَفْتُمُوهَا That you have accumulated. You have obtained. اِقْتَرَفَ From قَافْرَفَ Is to acquire something. And over here, أَمْوَالٌ That اِقْتَرَفْتُمُوهَا It refers to that money which a person has acquired himself. Earned himself. Hundred dollars your mother gives you, and a hundred dollars you make by working. Which hundred dollars is more precious to you? You'll spend wisely. Which money? The one that you earned yourself. What mom gives? Oh yeah, that's normal. Even if you lose part of it, what's the big deal? I'm gonna get more. But if there's something that you earned, you value it more. 
So amwal that iqtaraftumuha, you have acquired. You have obtained. Through your own effort, through your business, through your work. And you've caused it to increase. You've saved it. Iqtaraftumuha. Watijaratun and business, buying and selling for the purpose of profit. Takhshawna, you fear, kasadaha, its decline. Kasad is from the root letters kaf seen that. And kasad is basically decline of a business. And how does that happen? That the business is not making much. You're not making much money. You don't have a lot of profit. Okay? You're working, but you're hardly making anything. Why? When it comes to business, when is it that people are not making much? Why? Because they don't have many clients. Okay? Like for example, let's say a person starts a business of, for instance, painting. Okay? They have their own company, they go and paint people's houses or whatever. And what happens? Every month they have one client only. How much money are they making? Not that much. If they have more clients, then then they will have more money, more profits. Correct? Likewise, if you buy a whole lot of things that you're going to sell, but you can't find any buyers, nobody's willing to buy your things, then what's going to happen? Again, decline. So when you fear decline of a business, then what do you do? you become more active in your business. Correct? Like for example, if you are not too committed to the timings of your business, let's say some days you open at 11, some days you open at 9, some days you don't open at all, what will happen? You will lose your clients. Because they come, the hours are 9 to 5, it's 10 o'clock and it's still closed. Aren't you going to lose the client? Yes. Okay, so... If you fear the decline of the business, what are you going to do? You're going to become more active. Correct? You're going to take your business more seriously. You're going to invest more time into it. Likewise, you have certain things to sell. Alright? And you can't find any buyers. Why? Because you just keep them in store. There's no advertisement. And you are afraid that your business is going to decline. Then what are you going to do? Advertise. Correct? Promote. And what does that require for you? Again, more effort. So, tijaratun takhshawna kasadaha basically refers to such business in which you're constantly active. You're constantly active. You're taking more clients. You're finding buyers. You're promoting your business. You're advertising. You're marketing. You're doing everything you can to make sure the business is running. And that requires a lot from you. Isn't it? Which is why many people, they'll go for a job, but they don't want to start their own business. Why? Because job is easy, nine to five. It's somebody else's problem. You just go do something, you get some money. But business is very risky. You could make a lot and you could lose a lot. Correct? People who just go for a job, nine to five, five days a week, khalas. But people who have a business, they're even working on the weekends. Isn't it? They're working in the evenings. It requires more from a person. So tijara, your business. And just something to think about. If you're working somewhere, you have a job somewhere, you don't care much about that business, that workplace, whatever it may be. You're just concerned about your work and the paycheck that you're going to get. Isn't it? But when it comes to your own business, it's like your own child, basically. 
You've worked so hard to bring it to the level that it has reached. You might not understand this yet, but you can think about certain movies that maybe you watched or stories that you've heard of in which this happens. The business that you have started and it has grown, you value it a lot. It's very, very precious to you. Very valuable to you. So, tijaratun takshawna kasadaha wa masakin and houses. Masakin, plural of maskan. Houses tardawnaha. You are very happy with. Finally, you have your dream house. It has the right kind of, you know, windows so that the sunlight is pouring in in the mornings and the kitchen is big and the rooms are big or it's the right size, it's the perfect layout. Tardawnaha. You are happy with. Some houses that people are living in, they hate them. They can't wait to just move out of it, get rid of it. It's a burden. They hate it. But we see that some other people, they're very happy with their houses. They're very happy about the place that they're living in. They love it. And especially women. They get very attached to their houses. The way you take care of your room, your brother doesn't take care of his room like that, does he? You clean your room, you dust it, you put things on the wall, you put nice decoration pieces on the shelf. And what does your brother do? There are clothes lying on the floor and there's dark and dingy and smelly. He doesn't care much, right? But you obsess over how your room looks. You want the right kind of linens, the right sheets, everything. And as you grow older and you have your own house, then you get even more into this. And the more you get into this, the more happy you are about it. That yes, now it's good. I have my curtains, I have my rugs, I have my furniture, I have my artwork. Everything is here. You're happy with it. أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ After mentioning all of these things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if these people and these things are أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ More beloved to you مِنَ اللَّهِ than Allah وَرَسُولِهِ and His Messenger وَجِهَادٍ فِي سَبِيلِهِ And striving in His way, meaning in the way of Allah, then فَتَرَبَّصُوا Then just wait. Just wait and see what happens. If somebody tells us, just wait, what is that? What is that? A threat. It's a threat. And this threat coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very scary. If any of these people, if any of these things, you like them, you prefer them more than you like Allah, His Messenger, and striving in Allah's way, then just wait and see. حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ Until Allah brings His command. Which command? Of your humiliation. Your disgrace. Your defeat. Your suffering in this life. وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الْفَاسِقِينَ And Allah does not guide the sinful people. Those who cross limits. Those whom Allah gave all these blessings to. And they started loving them so much that they forgot about Allah. They got lost in the blessing and they forgot the giver of the blessing. Such fasiq people, Allah does not love them. Allah does not guide them. So in this ayah, what do we learn? There are many people around us, whether they're our parents or our siblings or our spouses or our children, our friends, the work that we do, the career that we have finally after years and years of education and training, the business that we have, the source of income that we have, the houses that we own, that we live in, 
They become beloved to us. We begin to love them. They become our life. Isn't it so? Our life revolves around these people and these things, these objects. So that really these people and these things, they become our goals. If you think about it, when we go to school, what's the goal? Complete high school so that you can go to college, university. When you go there, what's the goal? Get this degree so that you can be certified for this. All right. And then what's the goal? Find a job. Find a career. And then work on yourself, your certifications so that you can keep going higher and higher. You can keep getting promoted. And along the way, find the right person, get married. And then have children. And then have a house. This is what we think life is about. Unfortunately, the lives of many people revolve around only this. Only this cycle. And if a person is living only for the purpose of a job and a family, their life revolves around this, they don't have time for Allah, they're skipping their prayers, they're delaying their prayers, missing their prayers, they still haven't learned how to read the Qur'an, they don't know what it means, they don't know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants for them. And when there is a need to strive in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't have time, I can't come, I'm busy. Then what does Allah say? فَتَرَبَّصُوا Then just wait and see what happens. حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ Until Allah brings about His command. You see, any goal that you set for yourself, what does it require from you? Sacrifice. Like for example, if a person's goal is to get a certain degree, will that require from him that he sacrifices spending time with his family? Will it? Yes. If a person's goal is to pay off his debt, will he sacrifice spending time with his beloved wife and his children? Will he? Yes. There are people who work double jobs, right? They have their main work and they have a business on the side. Why? They work during the week and they work on the weekends. Why? Because they have a goal. I have to pay off my debt. I have to make as much money as possible. And the wife says, I miss you. But I know, I know you have to do this. Right? Isn't the husband sacrificing? Isn't the father sacrificing? Everybody supports them along the way, right? Because there is a goal. Any goal that you have, for example, a girl, she wants to get married and have a family. The parents love her. But what do they say? We let you go because it's about time you have your own family. Right? The parents sacrifice, only then she can have a family. Only then he can have a family. For anything that you want to achieve, there you have to sacrifice. We are willing to sacrifice for the things of this world. Who? Our parents, our spouses, our children, our siblings, our friends, our money, our houses, our vacation, anything. We're willing. But when it comes to the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, unfortunately, what do we think? What do we think? Well, it's not necessary. You should just be a good person. You should pray your prayers. And you read the Qur'an once in a while. And inshallah, everything will be fine. We think being a good Muslim is just about wearing your hijab, performing the prayers, giving charity here and there. And that's it. This is what we think being a good Muslim is. This ayah tells us something different. And what is that? That jihad, striving in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's cause is important, is important, it is necessary. 
And many times it happens that especially as women, there are things that come in our ways. Let me give you your example, your own example. For you to come and study the Qur'an. That is something that you're doing extra. Correct? In the sense that you are striving. But learning the Qur'an, understanding the word of Allah, isn't that something basic that we must have? I mean, think about it. This message that Allah sent, if we don't even know what it means, have we given the haqq of Allah even a little bit? We haven't. So learning the Qur'an is a basic requirement. And that requires extra striving from us. There are those of you who are working five days a week, six days a week, and you come here two days a week. There are those of you who go to school five days a week, and again two days a week you come here. It's a lot of striving. And in this process, you are sacrificing what? Your TV shows in the morning. The comfort of your house in the mornings. The comfort of being with your family in the morning. Right? You could have been working right now and making money, but you're sacrificing that in order to get something else. Right? And we might think it's not necessary, it's okay, not a big deal. But it is a big deal. Because if we stop this kind of effort in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's way, then there is a threat of Allah. Just wait and see what happens. In a hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, if you transact in ina, meaning it's a certain kind of transaction, business transaction, if you start engaging in that, and you follow the tales of cows, Meaning you're just busy tilling your land, agriculture. You're just busy in that. And you become content with agriculture, your businesses, and you abandon jihad, you abandon striving in the way of Allah, then Allah will send on you disgrace. Disgrace that He will not remove until you return to your religion. If you become satisfied With what you have, your education, your happiness, your house, your family, and you don't bother to strive in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what will happen? Allah will send on you disgrace. He will humiliate you. That will not go away from you until you return to His religion. In hadith, what do we learn? None of you can truly believe until who's most beloved to you? The Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He has to be the most beloved to us. So we see three have been put against eight things over here. Three, Allah, His Messenger, and Jihad have been put against these eight people and things. And sometimes it happens that you have the choice of either going this way or that way. Iman demands what? That you go for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Because if your goal becomes the akhirah, Allah will also give you the dunya. People will become happy with you eventually. But if your goal becomes the dunya, then you're depriving yourself of what? The akhirah. You please people, you make Allah unhappy. If pleasing people becomes your goal, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be unhappy with you, then that's a very poor decision. That's a very poor choice that you're making. So sometimes when it gets difficult for us to strive in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's cause, what should we do? Remind ourselves of this. Remind ourselves that it is necessary that we strive in Allah's way. Because really there are many hurdles, many things that can weaken us, the love for others, the demands of others. But it's necessary that we keep going, keep striving. Every time a hurdle comes, overcome it, keep going. 
Because ultimately we've come from Allah, we're going back to Him. And you want to meet Him when He's happy with you. That literally we have locked ourselves up in this system. That we've bound ourselves to family, career, and all of these things that are mentioned over here. I'm not saying they're not important. They are important. They are a part of your life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave them to you in the first place. But we need to free ourselves from these shackles. And it is striving in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's cause that sets us free, that releases us from these binds. The point is to have a balance between the two. You see, there are some situations where you have to give up everything and just concentrate on you know, your health for instance. Right? Or you have to give up everything and concentrate on one particular thing. But every situation is not like that. Every situation is not like that. Remember like we discussed earlier, that if a mother has two children, one is sick, will she forget about the other? No. She has to take care of the other also. So likewise in life, your spouse is important, but the Qur'an is also important. Right? Your children are important, and at the same time, other children are also important. If you're worried about only your children, and you don't care about what's happening in the houses of other families, if other children get to learn the Qur'an or not, then you're being selfish. You're only concerned about yourself. When you're concerned for yourself, and you're concerned for others, then you strive. And when you strive, that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala solves your problems for you also. I remember when my mother started Al-Huda. We were very young. It was summertime. And obviously summertime means children are home for how long? Two, three months in a row. Right? And she was concerned about us that what are they going to do? They're going to waste their time. So she decided that she was going to conduct a small program for us and our friends. So she did that. It was a small program that happened in one of our neighbor's houses. And all these girls would come, my older sister's friends, and she would teach them a little bit. From that, these girls, they expressed their desire that they want to learn the Qur'an. They want to learn more. So she thought about it for some time and then decided that, okay, let's start a program in which we study the entire Qur'an in one year. And when she came up with that, you can imagine people were like, yeah, right, you're going to teach women the meaning of the Qur'an in one year. How is it possible? But she did it. And alhamdulillah, since that year till today, So many people have managed to learn the Qur'an. But every time I think about it, it was, why did this start? Because she was concerned for us, but she wasn't just concerned for us. She was also concerned about others, our friends. Assalamu alaikum. I was just wondering, living in this country, we have already abandoned all the top six things. We don't have time to call the parents. We don't have time for the children. Mother is working odd hours. Father is working odd hours. But we have sacrificed all these things just to make money. Just for the money. In living in this country, all we are concentrating on kasadiha, tijara. So that means abandoning these things, these important things in our life is not that hard. If we can abandon them for sake of money, then definitely we can abandon them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just that we have to change our niya and we have to strive for the sake of Allah. But again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not demand from us that we abandon our families, that we abandon, you know, our careers. What is expected of us? That you work on that, but you also take time out for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A Muslim has to strive double. 
You know why? Because he wants double results. Results here and results there, in the hereafter. And for this reason, when you have your work at home, then sometimes you also have to work elsewhere. You're striving in your house with your own children, and sometimes you're striving with some other children also. Right? So the thing is that we are capable of doing it. How many of you ever thought two years ago that you could actually spend your entire weekend, both days, Saturday and Sunday, in a classroom? How many of you actually thought that that could happen? I couldn't. I always thought I can work five days. I can teach morning to evening. But weekends? No. Weekends are for family. This is what I used to think. And I strongly believed in that. And I found it difficult But when the need came that there are people who want to study the Qur'an and we expected that only a few people would show up, but 300 people have shown up and they want to study the Qur'an and they're committing themselves that they're going to come on the weekends and there was no choice. There was no choice but to go and do it. And alhamdulillah, every weekend goes really well. It goes really well. I still have time for family. I still get time to go out and have fun, alhamdulillah, with the family and friends. That continues. But a little bit of commitment, a little bit of sacrifice is necessary. And if we keep away from that, then who are we going to deprive? Ourselves. Who is going to suffer? We are going to suffer. Because who's threatening us then? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assalamualaikum. I had a story to share. It's a bit long. I know all of you are going to be looking at the clock. It's time to go home. When I was doing one of the courses with Al-Maghrib, Sheikh Walid Basuni told us the story of a lady who came from China all the way to America with her family. And when she came there, she noticed that her children and husband had moved away from the deen. And no matter what she said, nobody wanted to practice Islam anymore. She got so frustrated, she just went back to China all by herself. And the family continued to live in the States. And they would keep in touch with their mother and they would call her from time to time to come and visit. And finally, when she did come to visit, the children were married and settled. And as soon as she got off the flight at the airport, she took the yellow pages and tore off a page with the number of uh, Islamic center and gave it to her children and said, if anything happens to me while I'm here, give my body to my brothers and sisters. And fair enough, in a few days she did die in the States. And the children, they took her body to the masjid, and it was a Thursday. And the imam was so happy. He said that in this masjid, we have just won a court case, allowing us to bury our dead in the adjacent land. And your mother will be the first person who will be buried in this place. And the next day in Juma, there were like 2,000 people gathered in a masjid in quite a remote place in the States. And Sheikh was telling us that this was an honor for this lady from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did she do? Her sacrifice was so great. You know, if you sacrifice in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will not let this be wasted. Tell yourself that. And... When they went, they saw there was a little piece of paper in her pocket. And the son, at the time of her burial, he asked the imam, what does this piece of paper, what does it mean? And he said that this is a dua, because he would see this paper constantly with his mother. And it was a dua that, oh Allah, guide my family to Islam. 
and at the burial ground the husband took shahada again and the children and the husband asked if he could be buried next to her i mean imagine this lady gave up her entire family and went back sacrifice for the sake of allah subhanahu wa taala went and lived all alone and the children they had moved away and they came back into islam all because of the sacrifice of this lady assalamu alaikum let me ask you a question how many people are going to die eventually every single one of us here are we going to die one day yes when a muslim dies then what has to be done what has to be done they're just to be buried by anybody anywhere what is to be done the ghusl the body first of all has to be bathed right then the janaza has to be performed and then the person is buried correct now how many of you know how to wash a dead body i see 5 6 7 8 there are some people who know but we see that the majority of us don't know what if we decide that we're not going to strive to learn the deen the religion the right way of doing things because i'm too busy with my school i'm too busy with my career i'm too busy my child is 2 years old he's very hyper he needs me all the time so i don't have time to learn the basic things of the religion okay you decide not to take the step you decide that you're not going to strive to learn and you're going to remain without this knowledge there are so many muslims who find themselves in a situation where someone close to them has passed away and they cannot find any muslim who knows how to wash the dead body recently somebody mentioned that we got an email actually from someone in canada whose relative passed away this lady passed away very few muslims over there and not even a single person knew how to wash the dead body and the family actually was afraid to even go near the dead body why because we have watched movies especially these indian movies that show about how the dead person got up and he killed somebody or whatever so we are afraid of dead bodies right so no person from the family approached the dead body they were afraid to even go near it and eventually they found this seek woman who said that we also wash our dead i can do it for you a non muslim is washing the body of a muslim woman imagine and then she was buried i know about this other family who somewhere in south america they went and they decided that they were going to live there old couple they decided they were going to live there large property they decided to live there the wife was a convert she didn't know much about islam the daughter used to live somewhere else and her father contacted her that look there are no muslims over here there's no masjid i'm concerned that if something happens to me then who's going to bury me what's going to happen so the daughter was concerned somewhere she came across a group of muslims who go for darwa and they said that they also go to south america so she took their contact and then one day she got the news that her father was very sick so she flew in right away to that country by the time she got there her father was already dead and she remembered about that group of muslims she called them up she had their contact she contacted them and alhamdulillah they happened to be there at that time 
So she called them. They came, picked her up, went there. Now the father's dead body, who's going to wash it? Who's going to wash it? There's nobody. Nobody who knows. But that group of Muslims, they're one representative. That man, he said, I can do it for you. Because I know. So he did it. He read the janazah with that one man and two women behind him. Few people read the janazah. And then what happened? They had to go bury the body. So when they went to bury the body, the daughter saw that there was a box. A box over there that was also buried with the body in the grave. At that time, she didn't think much about it. Later on, she inquired that what was that box? So she was told that box was the remains of such and such relative of ours who died many years ago, non-Muslim, who died many years ago. This was his grave. And now we just took that same grave and we basically put all the decayed bones in this box and put the bones of that person and also your father's body in the same grave. So basically a Muslim and a non-Muslim in the same grave. A Muslim and a non-Muslim in the same grave. Why do you think these things are happening? Because we Muslims have abandoned struggling in the way of Allah. The basic struggle is what? Learn the religion. But we don't want to spend time in learning the religion. We have all the time to learn about math and science and everything because they're essential. Deen is also essential knowledge. And if we abandon learning the religion and prefer these things, these eight things that are mentioned in the ayah, then remember these eight things are not going to benefit us. They're not going to benefit us. Your money is going to stay. Your people are going to stay. Everything is going to stay. You go to Allah alone. So when you're going, what do you have with you? For our own sake, let's strive in Allah's way. Listen to the recitation. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَتَّخِذُوا آبَاءَكُمْ وَإِخْوَانَكُمْ أَوْلِيَاءَ إِنِ اسْتَحَبُّوا الْكُفْرَ عَلَى الْإِيمَانِ وَمَنْ يَتَوَلَّهُمْ مِنْكُمْ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَالٌ اقْتَرَفْتُمُوهَا وَتِجَارَةٌ تَخْشَوْنَ كَسَادَهَا وَمَسَاكِنُ تَرْضَوْنَهَا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَجِهَادٍ فِي سَبِيلِهِ فَتَرَبَّصُوا حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الْفَاسِقِينَ